Hello, people. Welcome to another episode of Conspiracy 420. And this is a really, really good one. And we got a legend of Dracula from his humble beginning as a warlord, a ruler of many, many places and banging all kind of women to the bloodsucker that we know today. <laughs> this is Conspiracy 420 and episode 66. And we're talking Dracula. And um, today we got Mike, rocker Mike, talking to us, and he did a lot of investigation. He went behind the scene to a Transylvania Castle to get this information for us. So, Mike, <laughs> you're the host of this great, wonderful show, Conspiracy 420. What kind of findings do you have for me in this great thing of Dracula? Wow, wow. Well, you know, Rob, remember, remember last month we were getting lumped up at Johnny's and you brought up this idea to do this show? Yeah. And uh, I was like, this is a great idea because we could talk about the, you know, the traditional Dracula, the real Dracula, the one that uh, from Romania, and we could talk about the Universal Pitches classic, La Bella Lugosi. But we're also going to do some shows on Frankenstein, the mummy, uh, and the wolfman. And what's interesting about at least and three of those. That's a question before I forget. You were watching that old school Dracula movie yesterday. That yeah, was, well, that I was, was watching was... the, I was watching Nosferatu, okay. That's great. Um, oh, it's classic, classic, classic. I was actually watching the 1979 remake, though, which is great, okay. But the, the original 22 uh, silent film is, is still amazing. But, uh, yeah, and, and, and what's cool about talking about vampires and stuff is that so many different cultures have a variation of that. And you got to wonder, like, are they real? You know, were they real? Were they based on something? You know, uh, you know even going back to ancient Egypt and... Uh, ancient Babylon and ancient Persia, they actually had vampire-like creatures. Yeah, it had a form of a, of a vampire. You're right. Yeah, not exactly like we know today, but something similar. So, you know, like all these things, they, they have to come from some kind of truth, you know? Yeah. But we'll never know, you know? But anyway, Mike, you know what I got to uh, tell uh, you? You know how I got the idea? I was watching the three, the three students, I mean, the uh, Abbott and Costello and me, like, uh, Dracula and everybody else came. It was great. Yeah, Abner Costello me Frankenstein. That's a great one. Right. It was great. I was like, and it was Dracula, it was the Wolfman, it was every single monster, the mummy. It was fantastic. Yep, they're all in there. All right, so what you got for me, uh Mr. Uh, Mike? Okay, we got a big show here, man. Okay, now Dracula is an eight nine. 97 novel written by the Irish author Bram Stoker. Okay. Yeah. Now it's a story about Count Dracula, who's a vampire lord from Count from Transylvania, which is a province of Romania, and his yeah. attempt to relocate to England in search of new blood and victims. He wishes to spread his undead curse, and he is soon discovered by a small group of people led by Professor Abraham Van Helsing. Okay, Van Helsing. Now, <laughs> yes, iconic. Another iconic character right there. the The book is described as an epistolary novel. Do you know what that means? No. What does that mean? Okay. If you read Dracula, if you've ever read it, it's a novel told by a series of letters, diaries, newspaper articles. And they even used a ship's log for a little while to tell the story. Okay. Wow. That's what's called an epistolary novel in that okay. format. Now it's told between the 3rd of May and the 6th of November in that year. And uh, the locations are basically England and Transylvania. Okay. okay. Now between 1879 and 1898, Bram Stoker was a business manager for the Lyceum Theater in London. Now he would often supplement his income by writing these like sensational 
adventure kind of novels. Um, writing these types of novels and, and combining it with adventure stories was a very popular theme at the time. Uh, yeah. You had authors like Rudyard Kipling, Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote Treasure Island. Oh, that was uh, Sir Arthur, yeah, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who did Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. H.G. Uh, Wells, who was amazing. They were all contemporaries of Stoker. They were all around the same time. Now, Stoker spent seven years researching for Dracula. He actually spent seven years researching it. But he studied uh, European folklore and uh, stories about vampires in Eastern Europe. He was very influenced by um, Emily Girard's 1885 essay, which was called Transylvanian Superstitions. And that had a lot of vampire stories. Okay. Now, interestingly, he had researched the subject matter for the novel for seven years, but it was really a nightmare that he had that got got his ass in gear, basically, and said, you know, this is going to make me write the book. He said one night he ate too many crabs. Okay? <laughs> too, much, too much crab meat one night. And he dreamed of this, like, vampire king rising from the grave. And when he woke up, that was the that was the day he started really writing the book. Okay. And in addition was to it too much crab or too much acid? <laughs> there was no acid then. Okay. He never we, we don't know that. <laughs> well, well well, you know what was around now, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, right, who wrote all the Sherlock Holmes books. Okay. Do you remember a Sherlock Holmes story called The Nine Percent Solution? What what was that? Yeah, I remember that. That was about cocaine. It was about cocaine. Ooh, yeah. wow. Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes does cocaine in that story. You you know what I always thought also weren't those guys kicking mushrooms around like nothing? There might not be, but there was mushrooms. This guy I, probably took maybe they might have had mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he had a dream and boom. Yeah. So then he started writing the book. Now, in addition to all of the subject matter about vampires he researched, uh, Stoker's main influence for Count Dracula's mannerisms and gentlemanly manner was a guy that he knew from the Lyceum Theater named Sir Henry Irving. And Irving had this, he was an actor, he had this dramatic presence, and he usually played bad guys on stage, usually played villains. So Stoker kind of patterned Dracula after him. You know, this mm. like, kind of like, you know, gentlemanly, but with like an evil twist. Okay. So, however, we, we, we know now that his main influence for Dracula at the time was Vlad the Third Dracul of Wallachia, which is an area that was near Transylvania. He was also known by the name of Vlad Tipesh, but mostly we all know him as Vlad the Impaler. The Impaler. And he reigned in the area of Wallachia between 1456 and 1462 and was said to have killed 40 to 100,000 people, mostly by impaling. Okay. His victims included political rivals, criminals, and people he just didn't think deserved to live. He was he was ruthless. He was ruthless. He was, he was ruthless. And, you know, the legends of this guy has just grown over the centuries. I mean, even in uh, in Romania today, he's still considered a national hero, but we'll get into that. Uh, Vlad II, okay, which was Vlad the Impaler's father, yeah. took the name Dracul because it meant dragon, okay? And Vlad II was a member of the Order of the Dragon, and it was a society of European aristocrats and monarchists that swore an oath to protect and fight for Christianity. Wow. So specifically, uh, the Ottoman Empire and the Ottoman Turks yeah. were the enemy of Christianity at that time in history. So Vlad II and his son often fought back Muslim invaders. They were part of this Order of the Dragon, and they were sworn to fight off any, any enemies of, of, of Christianity. So Vlad II, one thing that they did uh, 
and, and later his son would do, would make sure that all the currency that they minted, whether it was coins or paper currency in those days, had a dragon on it. Wow. Okay. So there's coins out there with like Vlad the Impaler on one side and the dragon on the other. They're probably worth a few bucks, you would think, right? Um, I'd, 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 I'd love to have one. That'd be cool, right? Yeah. Do you even now, do you know how much that's maybe worth? You think you will? I, I, I looked at pictures of them. I didn't look at their worth. That's I get back to you on that. That's uh, that's interesting. I imagine any of the, anything from six hundred years ago is going to be worth <laughs> yes. something, right? <laughs> you got a coin with whoa! Look at this. <laughs> Dragon on that. Now, Vlad the Impaler was actually deposed from power three times, okay? And his title was called Voivode of Wallachia, okay? And he, he would de be deposed three times and return to power three times. Yeah, why did he that always, happen? That was crazy. Well, I, I get into it. I mean, he, he was betrayed. He was... Yeah, he he's a, a lot of, of, a lot of scandals. Enemies. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of shit going on. Now, his power struggles came from basically the problems with Hungary in the West and the Ottoman Turks were in the East. Yeah. So as a child, him and his brother, his younger brother, whose name was Radu, yeah. were held hostage by Ottoman Turks. They actually mm. captured him, okay, and his brother. And his father, Vlad II, was murdered by a governor of Hungary. Wow. So you had this, this, these power struggles going on where you had the Hungarian Empire trying to assert power over that region. Now, they may have been, they were Christian, Orthodox, Catholic, yeah. that kind of stuff. But, you know, you had that. And then you had in the East, you had the, all the, the Muslims looking to invade Europe, you know, that to just come over from, from the, you know, the Ottoman Empire at the time. Now, Vlad himself was becoming known for very extreme measures against his enemies. Um, there were times when the Ottomans would, you know, be in battle and they would sue for peace. They would send out some kind of messenger to stop the battle and try to get some kind of peace treaty. He would kill these messengers. Oh, yeah. He was ruthless. He would kill them. Ruthless. Okay. Now, in, in, in 1462, he attacked the Ottoman Empire. Okay, and he massacred tens of thousands of Turks and Bulgarians. Okay, now the Ottoman Sultan at the time was was named Mehmed II, and he asked for peace. And Vlad had the messengers impaled and their turbans nailed to their heads. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know in what order. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he nailed them to their heads first and then impaled them. That would make more sense, right? So yeah. <laughs> later in 1462, later on in that year, uh, there were still battles were going on with the Ottoman Empire. Vlad went to see the king of Hungary. He actually went to visit him and he was going to ask for assistance in the battles. Now, that's kind of like going to somebody that really doesn't like you too much and asking for help. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what he did, and uh, they they actually the, the king locked him up. He imprisoned him for the next twelve years. All right. And the reason that was was because Vlad was a loose cannon. Okay. You know he 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 was the massacring that was going on. The king of Hungary felt there's no way we're ever going to have peace with these people. Okay. This is what he was doing. Now, during that time that he was in jail, uh, his legend of the brute force and, and impalements that he was doing spread as far as Germany and Italy, where stories of this, this cruelty were actually told, and they were very popular. Yeah, they were popular. About this legendary guy. All right. In 1475, though, he was released to fight in the king of Hungary's army. All right, so I find this interesting because they needed them, okay? They were fighting the Turks in Bosnia. So they said, okay, take Vlad out of jail. We need him. But we've locked him up for 12 years because he's a maniac. But now we're yeah. going to need him, okay? So 
at the what happened was he 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 went into battle and he actually regained control of Wallachia. Okay, where he was originally king of. Okay. And that was in November of 1476, but it would be brief and he would be killed in battle in January of 1477. So that was the end of that. Now, according to legends, the Ottomans, when they killed him, they cut his body into like a million pieces and his head was taken to the Sultan Mehmed II. Okay. And the place of his burial is unknown, but one location that was always considered a possibility was a place called the Monastery of Snagov. Okay. And in 1933, they actually excavated that monastery looking for his burial place. And they found what was most likely the spot. So they started digging. And all they found was was animal bones, horse horses, dogs. They never they never found his body. So wow. the other place that they were looking at was a place called uh, the Komana Monastery, and that actually was established by Vlad himself when he was alive, and it was kind of close to the battlefield where he died. So that's kind of like the official place where they think he is, but they've never found his bones. I don't think there's anything left. I bet the Turks chopped them up. Yeah, they probably fucking would get this guy out, take him out. You you know what's funny about that, Mike? You remember they did a movie, Dracula Toad? And it was pretty much about Vlad the Imperator. Yes, yes. And also the, the Gary Oldman Dracula, the, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, the with... Uh, uh, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. Oh, that was uh, great. They, the, beginning of that, the beginning of that movie, it's all about Vlad. Okay, you see him in battle and he was impaling people and, and they, they brought that into the story. I always thought that was cool. That's a good movie. So, Mike, how now, did they take, how did they take Dracula, this guy? Yeah, how did they take this guy, Vlad, and then turn into Dracula? Because it's nothing about Vampire and Vlad's life or anything like that. I think that one it's one of his name. legends it was, was that he would kill people, drain the blood out of the people he killed. Well, I, I think he what he would do is have people on his castle grounds. I mean, he was known to take his dinner outside on a balcony and in the distance were these gigantic pikes with people just stuck on them. And he would eat dinner and drink wine and sit there among that. <laughs> Sick bastard, right? Sick bastard. And people worried about Trump. And people worried about Trump. Imagine that guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That guy was terrible. This that, that guy sounds <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean he basically was like he decided if you lived or died, and if you died, it was a horrible death. You know. But the thing now Dracula perfect, has been adapted for the <laughs> Yeah. Now Dracula's been adapted for the stage and for films many, many times many, over the yeah. last 125 years. But the first stage adaptation was actually written by Bram Stoker himself, okay, at the Lyceum Theater. Um, it came out like a few months before the novel did, okay? So actually you had this, this stage edition and then the novel came out, which I never knew. I thought that was interesting. Um, it was on, it was on stage first? first? Stage, yes. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah, and it has been on stage over the years. Every once in a while, it'll come back. The film to feature Dracula was called Dracula's Death, and it was produced in Hungary in 1921. The film wow. is lost now. There's no copies of it left. Okay, but technically. The, the, the plot was different. It was more of an original story 
then based on the the story novel. So kind of like you know, it mentions Dracula and he's a character. It's not yeah. it's not based on the book, so it's a little different. But okay. the very first film adaptation that we know of was by uh, F. W. Murnau's uh, film company um, called. Um, Oh, what were they called? Prana Films in Germany put it out. Okay, and that's Nosferatu. F.W. Murnau was the director. And this came out in 1922. And it was really the first film to be based on the novel. All right. Now, it was done illegally. It was, it was unauthorized. And the reason that was was because they couldn't get permission from Bram Stoker's widow, he had oh. passed on by that point. Okay. And they, what they did is, <laughs> and instead of just giving up on the project, they said, okay, we're going to change some things around to try to get away with it. So they brought in um, a screenwriter named Henrik Gaylier, okay? And he was told to alter certain details from the book and change the action from England to Germany, okay? So instead of him coming to England from Transylvania, he goes to Germany. Now, Dracula's name in Nosferatu is not Dracula. It's Count Orlock. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Harker became Thomas, Thomas Hutter. Mina became Ellen all the changes were made to kind of get around the lack of permission to make the movie. Florence Stoker, who was the widow of Bram Stoker, sued Prana Films. And copies of the film were ordered to be destroyed. Now, some survived, okay? And they've been, they were shown in theaters in 1922. Uh, but Florence Stoker ended up giving up her legal fight because Prana actually went bankrupt, and all she ever got was the cost of her legal fees. She never, <laughs> she never, you know, got anything out of that. Okay. Wow. Other than the fact that many, 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 many cuts of the movie were burned, okay, and destroyed. The few that survived, um, some of them were destroyed in the Second World War. Okay, and then a few did make it to the United States and some other countries after the war. Uh, um, that's it's that's an interesting story in itself. Um, the movie Shakespeare. The movie what? With with, with Willem D. John John Malkovich is the director. F. W. Murnau. You ever see that movie? No, I never seen that movie. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an interesting twist on it too, because Willem Dafoe is playing a vampire, and he's supposed to be actor Max Shrek, who was the name of the guy who played Nosferatu. But in this <laughs> movie, he's a real vampire. Oh shit! And people are dying on the set, and you know, as they make in the movie. And, it's cool. It's a cool flick. Oh, now, I gotta see that. That um, sounds great. Yeah, Shadow of the Vampire. Very good. Came out, I think, in the nineties. Very good. Um, Nosferatu would be remade in nineteen seventy nine by German director Werner Herzog. Uh, it was called Nosferatu the Vampire. Are you there, Rob? We lost you. Hello. I'm not seeing you. Okay. All right. Okay, guess we lost Rob. Hey, you're back. Sorry, Mike. 
That's all right. I got kicked out because my uh, my do not disturb kept kicking me out. Oh, okay, okay. We're still so the live, do not though, disturb right? is off. Okay, back in, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm back in, so you can keep going. I'll, I can edit this out. Okay. Okay. Now, Nosferatu uh, would be remade in 1979 by Herzog, who's a German director. It was called Nosferatu the Vampire. And a lot of the past changes, like from the first movie, that they, yeah. they changed, uh, they, they, they put back the story of Dracula. In other words, Count Orlock is now Dracula, Count Dracula. Uh, some of the character names are back the way they were. They did a story in Germany, which is very interesting. It's a, it's a different setting, and they use these like old houses and stuff. It's very cool. Now, um, Florence Stoker, Bram Stoker's widow, did yeah. license the story to playwright Hamilton Dean. Uh, in 1924, he created an adaptation of the film stage, uh, adaptation of the story for stage that toured England for several years and then eventually settled in London for a stay there. Now, in wow. 1927, American stage producer Horace Liberite hired writer John L. Balderston to revise Dean's script. And he expanded the role of Renfield, okay, uh, in the play. And Mina Harder and Lucy Westerner were combined into just one character named Lucy. Uh, he also omitted the Arthur Homewood and Quincy Morris characters completely. And when this play premiered in New York City, it was Bella Lugosi who played the Count. He was and Edward Van Sloan, right? Edward Van Sloan was Valsing. Now, both of these actors would reprise their roles for the famous 1931 Universal Pictures classic, Dracula. Okay. And uh, this filmation was based mostly after the American stage version, and it would become kind of the standard for later films for many decades after. So if you, if you look at some of the, the versions of Dracula, they don't have all the characters or they combine characters. And I, I think they did that because in the book, there's a lot of characters. Okay. The Hundreds book is of characters. Great, great read. I recommend it to everybody. Okay. You should read that book. You should read that book once in your life. Well, you have, you know, you have Dr. Seward, who runs the insane asylum, okay? You have Arthur Holmwood, who's, uh, well, there's this, there's this woman, Lucy Westerner, Westenra, Westenra, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, she's kind of like this girl that all these guys are after. She has all these suitors that want to take her out and get engaged to her. And uh, uh, Arthur Holmwood is, is, is one of these guys. Now, Quincy... Uh, what's the guy's name? Quincy. Oh God, I forget. Okay, whatever. Guy name is Quin. I want to say Quincy Jones, but it's not Quincy Jones. It's Quincy Morris. Quincy Morris. Excuse me. Quincy Morris. He's right. actually an American in the story. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like a cowboy almost. Like he's he's like from the the South or the West or something like that. Remember the movie? The, the story takes place in the 1800s, so yeah. they had like this one American character who's kind of like, uh, you know, after Lucy also. Now he's left out of all the adaptations except the uh, 1992 uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I'll talk about in a second. But it's a yeah. series of movies I can mention. In, in 58, Hammer Films released the horror of Dracula, featuring Lee. Count Dracula and Peter Cushing at Professor Wilson. Now, this was directed by Terrence Bishop, and it was a smash hit and had a bunch of sequels following it uh, through the 60s and into the early 70s. All these movies are great. I mean, I'm a huge Hammer Films fan. 
I like everything they did. I like the Frankenstein move they did. I like the Dracula. Uh, they, uh, God, they did so many films, different kind of monsters. They did one about uh, um, uh, Greek mythology, Medusa, uh, stuff like. Oh that. yeah, Medusa. Was, yeah. I love Peter Cushing. I love Christopher Lee. You've seen all those movies. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great stuff, movies, right? I've seen all those. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you remember in the 70s, the one with Frank Langella? No, I don't remember that one. The one that I remember the comedian one. The what? The, I don't that remember was the that one, one that people jokingly called Disco Drive. It was, <laughs> it was Frank Langella. Clay had come back. <laughs> I know. You know actor Frank Langella, right? Yeah. Now, in the 70s, he was doing the stage version of it. They had come back to Broadway. So they remade a film version of it. It's a little bit different than the than the Dracula's in the past. It's got the same stuff, but it's, it's like he's got like oh, the 70s feathered and a button-down shirt he's open like this you know like you know disco collar <laughs> <laughs> disco dracula baby <laughs> yeah yeah i i always like that one it's 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 an interesting one it's, it's one of the only times where the ending is different uh, he gets he gets ripped out by sunlight one. Yeah, does he mostly... In all of them, he got like a different ending. He never dies the same in all these different uh, Dracula. Well, yeah, they, they sometimes they do it different. But in the, you know, usually it's the stake through the heart, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But this one... Now, in... Uh, in 1992, <laughs> Bram Stoker's <laughs> now in, in 92, Stoker's Dracula, starring Gary Oldman in a role that was directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola. That was great. The thing about that is it's probably the most yeah, it's probably the most accurate portrayal of the novel ever filmed because. All of the characters are in it. You got Arthur Hallwood, Quincy Morris, Doctor Stewart, Helsing. You know all the characters are in it, and Lucy. Okay, so it's it's kind of like an epic. I like that. I like that version a lot. I think Gary Oldman did a great job in that role, uh, and it does incorporate the Vlad, the Impala stuff too. So that's great. Yeah. Now, did you ever wonder, Rob, where do you ever wonder where all this these legends got started? Yeah, where? Well, the first real vampire craze, okay, that was in Europe, started in Serbia in seven in the seventeen twenties and seventeen thirties. In fact, it was so crazy that people were being accused of being vampires. If they died, they were digging up graves, trying to find out if they were. Uh, people believed it, and it, you know they were making they were making people dig up graves and see if like their next door neighbor was really a vampire that just died, you know, or something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. That can't so, be real. <laughs> it was, it, yeah, they went nuts. They went nuts for it for some reason. Now there was a short German poem by a writer named Heinrich August. Ossenfelder called the vampire and that was published in 1848 and that was really the first vampire story to have kind of erotic overtones okay because there's always kind of like you know sexual overtones with vampires especially yeah. Dracula you know he's considered kind of like irresistible and that kind of thing now yeah. the famous German poet Goethe had a prominent 
vampiric element in the poem Bride of Corinth, and that was published in 1797. It was a story about a young woman who returns from returns from the grave in search of her fiance. Okay. Whoa! So now, that's a vampire. The first man. Yeah, yeah. They don't call it that, but it is. The first mm. mention of vampires in English literature appears in uh, Robert Sude's poem "The Laba," the, the Laba, the Destroyer, and that was published in 1801. Also, it was Sam Coleridge's Christabel, and that had a female vampire character. Uh, that was actually 25 years before, okay, and also 25 years before was a story called jo um, called Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanon, and he was a he was an Irish writer, and that Carmilla story, the the character, the female character is, it's never really called a vampire, but she drinks blood, she bathes in blood. Okay. And she looks okay. kind of a lesbian. All right. They don't say that, but that's really what she is. You know, and that was the first that they incorporated like the whole like lesbian vampire thing. Okay. <laughs> a lesbian so, vampire. Yes. The thing is, is that. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that folklores around vampires and vampirism have existed for thousands of years, okay? Yeah. Uh, the Mesopotamians had them. The Hebrews had them. The ancient Greeks had vampires. The ancient Romans had them. Uh, if they weren't straight-up vampires, they were more like demons or spirits that Gee. would drink your blood or your life. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, it's scaring me now, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, the modern day depiction of what we know as vampires seemed to have begun in Eastern Europe, but one legend that quickly evolved was how to kill a vampire. Okay, mm -hmm. so you had these legends popping up in Eastern Europe, but it was always like, okay, well, how do you get rid of them? So in the Slavic cultures, which is like Russia and places like that in Eastern Europe, uh, yeah. a wooden stake would be, okay, would be used. Um, Serbians sometimes used a hawthorn wood, okay. Russians like to use ash wood when they use a stake. And uh, one common legend was that if you used aspen wood on the stake, it would definitely kill the vampire because Christ's cross was supposedly made out of aspen. Whoa. Yeah. That's fucking now, cool. German read. Yeah, when the legends came to Germany, they preferred to use decapitation to kill a vampire. Okay? And in Italy, people... In Italy, people would drive a steel or iron stake through the heart, not wood. I've heard of that. And in the, yeah, in the Balkans, they would try to drown a vampire. And sometimes they could shoot one. That would work. Okay. Or even sprinkling holy water on, on them. Okay. That would destroy the vampire. So you have all these, all these legends together. In uh, Roman garlic could be used as a deterrent. Yeah, or, or would or would kill the vampire or make yeah. it break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people used to put garlic, uh, you know, big garlic cloves on the walls <laughs> and stuff like that. You see that in the old movies. Yeah. What they used to do too. Yeah. What they do too is if you were suspected of possibly going to turn into a vampire when you died they would when you died they would put garlic in your mouth in, 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 in the coffin okay and then what they would do that didn't give you very good breath on the way to the afterworld you know no you don't kiss a girl once you get to the afterlife <laughs> now, <laughs> Nah, you need a tic tac or something. 
<laughs> now, dismemberment would <laughs> dismemberment would work. Okay, that would stop the corpse from rising from the grave. And in some areas of Germany, they would place a lemon in the corpse's mouth if they suspected that. Now, I don't know what that would do. Okay, I got no idea with that. Never heard of a lemon. Never heard of a lemon. The ancient, I never did either. I never did either. But the ancient Persians and the Babylonians, they had these blood drinking demons in their culture as well. Um, in Assyria, the ancient Assyrians and the ancient Babylonians, they had creatures called Lilitu. And that gave rise to the Jewish legend of Lilith. You ever hear the story of Lilith? No. Okay. Uh, Jewish people believe that Adam and Eve, Adam actually had a wife before Eve. Eve was not the first woman. Eve was the second woman. But there was a woman before created. Yeah. And her name was Lilith. And she was just no good. She ended up hanging out with demons and, you know, evil creatures in the Garden of Eden. And she had it banished from the Garden of Eden. She was thrown out. And when she was thrown out, she left with demons. And they used, like, they're legends that, you know, they would drink the blood of these. So that's you know, where they get The ancient blood. Hebrews used to think that Lilith would get you at night, you know. Yeah, that's where they get that from. Now, in Asian cultures, they even have vampire-like creatures, too. Okay? In Japan... There's a creature called the the Nukikubi. The Nukikubi. I have to ask <laughs> I about that if that's the right way to pronounce it. The Nukikubi. Nukikubi. Okay. <laughs> and Nukikubi. Now, the Nukikubi, their head and their neck would detach from their body and they would fly around and prey Shit. on people at night bite them and eat them and shit okay and so like the neck and the head would come and just get you okay now in the philippines they had a similar creature called the uh the tagalog mandrugu okay and that's translated as bloodsucker the mandrugu <laughs> looks like an attractive girl it looks like an attractive girl by day oh it grows wings at night there's an elongated tongue that comes out of its mouth to drink the blood of sleeping victims. Oh, man. That's That's weird. Scary. Oh, yeah. Jingashi, the Jiangji, okay, the Jiangji are Chinese that hop around and they kind of just absorb like all your life essence. They don't drink your blood, but you just end up like a, you know, like your whole soul is taken out of you. Okay. And they're considered kind of like mindless creatures, not like vampires that, that can talk or have a purpose. Okay. Maybe but zombies. They're considered mindless. And that, yeah. Like a zombie. And they only happen when a soul doesn't leave a deceased person's body correctly. Now, in the 1980s, you got to look these up. I re- I've seen these films. In the 1980s, there were some films out of Hong Kong that featured these creatures. And there's two movies that stick if you ever want to see these creatures. It's called Encounters of the Spooky Kind. And then there's a one called Mr. Meyer out of Hong Kong. That was like in the late 80s. You ever have a chance? Wow. It's like the only movies I've ever seen that have these Jiangxi creatures. And they hop around and they get you. Now, um, you know about the chupacabra. That's another. Yeah. The chupacabra is the mystical yeah. creature now, the of Puerto chupacabra, Rico. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story quick. I went on. A, I went to Puerto Rico one time, and I went on. Well, 
in the, the rainforest, the, Yuka, the Yucatan rainforest, I think it's called. And uh, all I was asking, because supposedly in that rainforest, Chupacabra lived. And all I was asking the tour guy was about the Chupacabra. They eventually told me to shut up. I wasn't allowed to <laughs> ask anymore about that. <laughs> Stop asking about the Chupacabra. <laughs> I took I took a two hour I took a two hour bus ride from San Juan to ask this guy about the Chupacabra. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to find out. <laughs> I didn't care about the fucking rainforest, the, the little fucking the little fucking coke the little fucking coke fucking frogs and shit. I didn't care about them. I wanted to know about the chupacabra. <laughs> Everybody was telling me to shut up. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> that's fantastic. Now, um, yeah, it's funny. The only the only vampire character out there to be almost as popular as Dracula is the vampire Lestat. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's from the Vampire Chronicles, written by American author Anne Rice. Okay, now, beginning in 1976, she wrote an uh, interview with the vampire, and that introduced this very sympathetic character, Lestat. Okay, and that would go on for many years. Uh, the Vampire Lestat, the second book was written in 1985, um, and then Queen of the Dam, Tale of the Body Thief. Menach the Devil, The Vampire Armand, Merrick, Merrick, uh, Blood and Gold, Blackwood Farm. Wow. Canticle, Prince Lestat, Prince Lestat, Atlantis, and Blood Communion. Okay. Um, and written by Anne Rice. I haven't read after The Vampire Armand. I think that was the last one I read. I don't think I read Merrick. And then anything after that, but I was into that for a while, especially when Interview first came out. Um, yeah, it was so good. Not when it first came out, that was in '76. I'd say maybe about, I would say maybe about four or five years where I discovered it as a wow. kid. And I, I mean, that's a that's a great first three. You know, uh, Interview with the Vampire, Vampire Staten, Queen of the Damned. I think uh, I think are great books. After that, they go into different characters. There's a whole world about that. Lestat's not even in so the books. It's the other characters, but it's good. Um, you know, it, it just seems like vampires are like gold. Like if you want to make a movie that'll make some money, make it about a vampire. Like people yes. just love, love seeing that shit. You know. That's fantastic because you know vampire they all they're money so, maker people are fascinated but, I by mean, yeah but you know why is that though is that you know but it, people always been fascinated even from the rice why, why do you think Yeah, but there's there's something there's something about the vampire stories I think that kind of like get in people's heads. You know what I mean? Yeah, the mystery. Something about it. There's a there's a sexual to it. There's there's a there's just something about being able to live forever. Okay, and 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 you know, but it's also a curse. It's also a curse because you can't die. And that's that's one of the that's one of the things that in in the novel Dracula that's emphasized more than they ever really did in the films. And the um, only come out is, is Dracula is a sympathetic character. Huh? What's that? The only come out at night. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you know, nighttime is the scary time, right? Yeah. You know, so, but, uh, all right. So that's all I got for you, Rob. Fantastic. My God, Mike, you went in deep into a cover with that one, man. You got some information that they really know. You brought up some movies that I haven't heard of, but man, that's a lot of information. This started yeah. for fucking the Impator. It's incredible how much stuff you can get out. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I wish they make a full movie about Vlad. They should just make a whole biopic. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be very good. That'd be very, very good. Um, I think so, Mike. What do we get to? Uh, if we want to get to for information. Okay, uh, you can find me on Facebook under Michael Baker. You can find me um, on Instagram, RockerMike212. I'm also on MeWe under RockerMike. And I'm also on CloudHub under RockerMike. And, of course, there's the Rock Show podcast group page that we run on Facebook. Um, and also on MeWe under RockerMike, uh, if you look up the Conspiracy 420 group page, there's a whole group page there with pretty much all the episodes on there if you want to check out all the episodes of the rock show i mean uh conspiracy show not bad, not bad. and if you want to find me you can find me on twitter or anything uh getting lumped up uh instagram facebook the website and again like always thank you for your support and we got more of this genre coming more episode coming of the monster genre we got frankenstein we got wolfman we got more and more monster coming out so you guys are going to enjoy the story because we a few years ago we did one on the bibles and we did all the different chapters of the bibles yes that was good and don't forget the mummy we're doing some on mummies Oh, the mummy one's going to be good. And then since we're doing mummy, throw the giants to end the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. Ancient Egypt stuff, Always, we always do well with that on this show. That and Nazis. <laughs> Nazi UFOs. <laughs> yeah, Nazi and UFOs never fail. Oh, yeah, I don't oh, want to get... I guess I guess this will never be Disney, right? No, <laughs> we won't be working for Disney anytime soon. <laughs> All right, Mike, another Not great job. Soon. <laughs> another great job. But remember, don't get drunk. All right, man. Get lumped up. Get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jodable Ages, welcome to what's once known as professional wrestling, and this is Talking Wrestling with the host with the most, the man of the hour, the tower of power, the one, the only, Rob Rossi, and this is Talking Wrestling.